Well, hello everyone. Here we are once again. Another episode of Seeking What They Sought. And today we have a new friend with us. Kevin, we're so glad you're here. So glad to be here, my friends. Uh, I know we've been talking about getting on the pod for a while. So I'm we glad have. it finally happened. <laughs> this, one, this one's been a long time coming and I'm so glad it's happening. Um. We're so glad Jesse and Eric are not with us today. They, they are, ditched. They ditched us. <laughs> we can say we can say whatever we want about them. We so can, and they have that's, no. That's power. That's the tradition. When someone when someone isn't <laughs> able to make it, even if it's for legitimate reasons, uh, they they deserve to be uh, just a slight roast. Hey, just yeah, just a little roast. Just a little that's bit. Slightly. That's good. Since I don't know any of since I don't know any one of them, I I would I would I'm gonna rely on your expertise and your insight uh, about <laughs> sure, both absolutely. of them. So. Well, well, speaking of roasts, Kevin, uh, you're into tea. And uh, mm. that has nothing to do with uh, coffee, so that's a horrible segue. But I thought that I would at least uh, <laughs> attempt. That. That's at not some... even. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, technically, I mean, you're not too far off because you 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 could roast the spices. Okay, here mm-hmm. we go. Here we go. You See, you're sa- save it, save so, it for me. Okay. Some yeah. Sa- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not too far of a jump. No, the cardamom Excellent. can be can be roasted before. Well, I just guessed with cardamom. I didn't even know if you even roast cardamom. <laughs> okay, no, so could. this is yeah. Okay. Oh, so so this is totally unrelated. Um, actually, we'll get into this because because you have a nickname, Anthony. You put this down, mm-hmm, the CEO mm-hmm. of Chai. Have you actually been called that, Kevin? The CEO of Chai. Yeah, you know, there was a time in. What's in, the origin story? The origin. You know, I'll give you the origin story. And yeah, of uh, the name. Fair warning. This is it's going to be very underwhelming and. Um, <laughs> Uh, so during the time when TikTok was blowing up, so the, I would say this is like 2020 around that time, mm-hmm. uh, people were kind of self-describing themselves as, as CEO of whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a CEO of barbecue, a CEO of SaaS, and p- people were just doing that kind of as a, as a, as a trend. Mm-hmm. And they put that stuff in their bio. And uh, I didn't start off with, making chai videos i don't know if you know that but i mm-hmm. I, I just got on tiktok and we can get into this later on but some of my youth told telling me hey pastor you should get on tiktok and i started with uh, at, at the time i didn't want to get into tiktok at all it was just mm. i was just uh, experimenting with this new app uh, that just came on on the scene and uh, I, I downloaded it got it on my phone and i started browsing uh which I, I wanted to just browse for five minutes, but five minutes end, ended up becoming three hours. And I'm just like, what am I doing with my life oh, <laughs> right now? This is insane. It's like a and, black hole. Uh, and I started making devotional content just to, just to experiment with the app. But then one day I started to make, uh, I decided to just document my chai making video, uh, process uh, and uh, put it on TikTok, And that thing blew up, honestly, just blew up mm. like crazy within a couple of days, a uh, you know, couple of hundred thousand views. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was around that time where people were making the CEO thing. And I said, okay, fine. CEO of Chai. Let's just put yeah. it there. Let's whatever. Let's nice. just make CEO of Chai. And it's stuck, man. It's just stuck. And people started to call me and CEO of Chai and all this. And it just became a thing. And I just stuck with it. And so the, that's the that's the short um, origin story. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So and we'll, maybe we'll get into a little bit of the, the background there a bit more. But I actually had a question. So... Again, this has nothing to do with our topic, so we're gonna we're gonna do your hot take. This is not gonna be a, it could be its own. We we've done a series called Bad Explanations where we we talk about things from our faith. You know, whether it's Ellen White or alcohol or something else, where we feel like the church doesn't always explain it very well, and we we grew up with a very boxed in mindset of it. Yeah. And okay, 
tea and coffee, right? Ellen White talks about tea and coffee. What's your hot take on on the way she talks about that? Is 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 coffee and tea evil? Are they of the devil? Now, just so you know, Kevin, this is going to be our YouTube title. So this is actually going to be say the clip next. that we post on social media. So whatever you say, <laughs> it's going to be totally out of context. So good luck. Oh, you good got ten luck. seconds uh, for for the the real. Oh man, it's you can answer this seriously or <laughs> that's satirically. The thing. You know, I I I have to confess, I, I I'm. I I I wish I've talked to like um, with with guy, a guy someone like Matthew Lucio or mm-hmm. someone to actually get like the the raw theological material to yeah. back up mm-hmm. my answer for this, but unfortunately <laughs> I don't have it. Uh, so this is just shooting from my hip. I you know honestly, man, I don't think they're evil, but they could be. They could be evil in the sense that if they mm-hmm. distract you from following God, if they mm. distract you from. Uh, Seeking the Holy Spirit, if they become an idol and anything can be an idol, then they become evil. You know, it's mm. just straight up. I think in the, in, the, in the same way that anything can mm. become an idol and any good thing been taken in excess. And so, uh, so, uh, so in that sense, it could be, but I don't personally think it is for myself mm-hmm. because I know what, who I am and my limits. Uh, <laughs> and I also think that uh, you know you gotta contextually understand. You know, like what is mm. how was coffee used during that time? What was yeah. the function mm-hmm. of tea? And uh, I again, again, I, I unfortunately I don't I don't have that information to back it up. I would have to rely on those guys to tell me um, about that. But so yeah, I personally don't think they they're evil. It's just again its use. Uh, are they idolatrous to you? Do you now depend on them for? To, uh, as a way to kind of cope with uh, the, the mm. stuff that life throws at us. Mm. Do you go to that? Do you go to God? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a very subjective thing. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, in but that I, sense, you can... T- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I do have to say this, though, that, that if, if, if you have to pick one of the two when it, when it, when it comes to the, something that's like... That, that's going to cause you to be less codependent on the thing, uh, mm. T, objectively, is a good choice because... Um, because uh, black tea contains like less than a quarter percent uh, of caffeine. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, one fourth the amount of caffeine that, that a cup of coffee in the same size would have. Mm. So so you are less likely to be addicted to it, less likely to, to have jitters with black tea more than coffee. So in that mm-hmm. sense, tea is kind of better in, this, in that sense. But again, it depends on how much tea you consume and yeah. how much mm-hmm. coffee you consume. So, yeah. Cool. Well, well, now we'll we, that. uh, we've be done our, our episode on uh, <laughs> bad explanations for tea, so we've, we've and, got uh, an answer. We'll see you guys next time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening. No, no but Kevin, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, well, I, Kevin, we just want to, we're so glad to have you on, man. We've been kind of bantered a little bit, but um, would you just sh- maybe share with us, a l- like, who are you? Tell us a little bit about your, your faith journey, how you grew up, and then your connection to Adventism. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, Kevin Wilson, born in Sri Lanka, uh, lived there till I was 12 years old, then moved to the Middle East in a country called Oman. So lived my high school years in, in Oman nice. in a predominantly Muslim country. Uh, I was born Adventist, but my parents were not. Uh, my dad mm. was hmm. a Catholic, but not really practicing too much. And my mom was Hindu. Uh, so okay. completely Wait, different sorry. religion. C- c- you just said you were born Adventist, but your parents were not. 
They weren't yeah. born Adventists. They weren't born Adventists. Oh, like he's a first. It. He's a first I, generation. Oh, I misunderstood right. that. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So they were not born Adventists. I'm. Yeah. So that would that make me first generation Adventist? I don't know. Is that the yeah. Kind yeah. Of, well, the the official term is barely Adventist, but it's it's you know it's it's <laughs> nice. you know something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so that's interesting. Catholic and now did they get married when they were both part of those separate religions or no, start seeing so, each other? No. So they both uh, they got both of them got sponsored by missionaries who were working in Sri Lanka during that time in the fifties or actually in the sixties, and so they were sponsored by two different people. And uh, and they both met at a, at the only Adventist uh, college in Sri Lanka. Mm. So they so once they came to the college, uh, my dad became an Adventist in college, but my mom had become Adventist when she was twelve years old mm-hmm. when she was asked to be the translator uh, of this evangelist who had come to to her village in Sri Lanka, and so she had no idea about Christianity and mm. or Adventism. But she translated for this guy, which was very proficient at Sinhala, Tamil, and English at mm-hmm. a very young age. Okay. Um, so these are the languages spoken in Sri Lanka. And mm-hmm. so after the end of the evangelistic series, she's, she went back to her mom, my grandmother, and she said, yeah, I think Adventism makes sense. I'm going to be Adventist. Wow. Uh, which was kind of a big deal because she was the middle child of, of 11 kids. And a lot of people Ooh. didn't. Yeah, so a lot of people didn't think. Uh, a lot of uh, all, all none of her siblings thought that she was serious, and mm. so. But from the time she was twelve years old, she she was Adventist. So, but they came together uh, from two, two different locations into uh, to uh, to Lakpahana, which is the 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 Adventist seminary or the, so the college there, and so and they they got baptized, uh, uh, and and uh, yeah, so they became Adventist there. Yeah. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's wild, man. Do you find that that, and we'll continue with your story after that, like as you grew up, but do you find that having parents that were fresh into Adventism, when you look at other people's experiences here and other people's stories about their upbringing in Adventism, do you think that that changed maybe the way that you grew up looking at the church or the beliefs versus maybe others that had, you know, grandparents, great grandparents and beyond for, for mm-hmm. those within the church? hundred percent, man. Uh, even though I was born uh, as an Adventist, I, I from the time I was my from my from the time I was a little, little kid uh, until I was eighteen, I, the major the, the people that I interacted with uh, out of all the people that I interacted with the the minority was Adventists because mm. even my my most of my mom's side of the family they were still Hindu, most of my dad's side of the family was still Catholic. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and when you grow up in Sri Lanka, it's it's a very communal experience. So you know, I grew up with my aunts and my uncles all in the in the house. Uh, and at a given time, you would have like at least ten people in the house all raising us, raising us. And so I, we had to, from an early age, be sent. I had to be sensitized to the fact that I had to kind of defend my faith. Like I kind of need to explain mm. myself to other people that like this is why I ad, this is why I'm Adventist. Um, and so at an early age, I had this kind of consciousness of of us being different, uh, of us being mm-hmm. distinct. And so in in and so it kind of I think uh, made me appreciate. Uh, the particularities of of Adventism at, at, at even a young age for me, man. And so mm-hmm. by the time I came to Andrews when I was eighteen, sort of mm-hmm. when I was nineteen, that was my first experience at like a majority Adventist space. Yeah. I remember wow. looking at people around. I'm like, wait, you're Adventist? You're Adventist? You're that's crazy. Wow. And so that was new for you. That was new for me. Yeah. Even in Oman mm-hmm. in the Middle East, my 
the church, especially in places like that, becomes becomes a, a, a safe zone. And so outside of my church environment, mm-hmm. my high school experience, my sports experience, my recreational experience, all of them were non-Adventist. Um, mm. Even even in the school that I went to, myself and my sister were the only Adventist in a school of like 800 kids. Wow. And so, uh-huh. yeah, I grew up... Uh, Grew up Adventist, but but being but being very sensitive to the fact that I, I am like one of uh, I'm, I'm like one of the very few people who are like me who think like me and act like me. Mm. Yeah, and wow. so that definitely shapes how how I saw people who are you know fourth fifth generation Adventist. Right. Um. I remember being in class, you know, doing theology at Andrews and sitting next to guys who were. Uh, who who had like Adventist grandparents and grand great grandparents and mm-hmm. just like uh, that was foreign to you. Yeah, just that was foreign to me. That was absolutely wow. foreign to me. And so I would ask them questions about different things because I was so fascinated by the Adventist culture. But I also remember being underwhelmed by some of the answers because some oh, of them, hmm. you know, they just like grew up like thinking like this is this is all their reality, you know. Yeah. Nice. And so uh, they didn't they didn't have the context that I had of being other. Um, and hmm. so uh, so that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. So as you know, um, you know, we asked you on to chat a little bit about media and like how the church interacts with media. And um, I'm guess I guess we're curious about like your experience with media growing up. Did you like a lot of us who grew up in the West, we, you know, we watched like Veggie Tales, and, you know, we, there's all these like st- staples of media that most Christian kids have seen. And if you're Adventist, like, you know, you've seen, you know, a lot of it's like Adventures in Odyssey or Your Story Hour or Veggie right. Tales or like yeah. stuff like that. What was your experience with media growing up in church? It doesn't have to be like Christian media, but sure. just media in general. Yeah. So, uh, one of the pe- one of the things that people are usually surprised by. Um, or were surprised by when when I first came to the states was how how much I knew about American media because they were like wait you have you, did you know about this artist and that artist so like, I, I had like a pretty mm-hmm. good understanding and I could have conversations with most people about pop culture and trending topics because of how pervasive American media is and still is to this day even even growing up in Sri Lanka and Oman. The moment where something comes up, like a new hit or a new single in the billboards, hit the billboards, it, mm-hmm. it, it, we get it. We got it in Oman. We got it in Sri Lanka. Mm. Uh, not necessarily the record itself, but like, you know, we got the video. We, we saw it. We, it, we, and everybody was now copying the latest trend. Uh, there was this whole time, whole period where like baggy clothes were like so in. Right. Uh, and so, yep. And so, yeah, I remember watching like You Got Served and like Drumline. Nice. And like that You Got Served was like a canon event in my life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so people don't realize That's that funny. like, you know, as a Sri Lankan kid growing up in Oman, like You Got Served was a canon event for all of us in our class. Wow. Because, and then we started to like, you know, wear our jerseys and like sag our pants and this and that. Because we thought it was like super cool. And it was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Wow. So when it comes to media, uh, American media in in, uh, in general, like we, we got... We got all those things. Uh, but when it came to Christian media, it was different. Mm. Like, I didn't grow up with VeggieTales. Um, mm-hmm. I, I saw my first VeggieTale episode when I came to Andrews. And people mm. were talking about VeggieTales. And I was like, what is VeggieTales? I have no mm-hmm. idea what that is. Uh, but my, uh, but during Sabbaths growing up, we would, my parents would, uh, they, ha- they had a record, uh, a, a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Of uh, Hannah Barbara's Bible stories, classic. yes, classic, yep. classic, 
<laughs> you know? And so we would watch we would watch the same thing over and over again every week. That's the one with the those friends, right? Like Moki. Yeah, yeah, yep. Moki. Yeah. <laughs> ones that like slipped through the sand and then went yep, to the ancient yep. temple and found yep. adventures yep. in the Bible. Have you <laughs> Kevin, have you heard of Bible Man? You know what Bible Man is? I, I do now I know who Bible Man is. Okay, oh, yeah. I was like with, with yeah, the lightsaber. Like, that's that's uh that's peak uh Christian media right there is uh, oh, Bible yeah. Man. That's the <laughs> Bible Man. That's the best. Yeah, I had no idea about Bible Man. I when I first heard about Bible Man, I thought it was like satire, like I thought it was a joke. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, this is actually serious? People actually watch this and like <laughs> they were nourished by this. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. So I yeah, I, I didn't grow up with that. N- nourished yeah. is a strong word. Yeah, nourished is generous. Is a very strong <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> it is a strong word. Wow. Yeah. No, oh, so man. I didn't grow up with any of that stuff. Uh, the own my own. Oh, and so in terms of other media, yeah. I grew up uh, every Sabbath. It was it was the Hanna Barbara. But then when we had lunch together as a as a family, we would always watch PMC and Pastor Dwight. Mm. Wow. So, so three ABN was our only window into Adventism. Three ABN Hope Channel. Yeah. We yeah. do Adventism outside of Oman and 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 Sri Lanka. Well, we didn't we didn't have too much. Of, we didn't have a satellite in Sri Lanka, so all our um, uh, all our television, mm-hmm. uh, the satellite networks were were in in the Middle East during my high school years. So three ABN Hope Channel, and I remember, man, as a kid, a nine, t- eleven year old kid growing up in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Pastor Dwight and PMC and thinking to myself, hey, one day it'll be really cool for me to go to America um, and uh, wow. and also meet Pastor Dwight and like shake his hand and tell him like how much of an impact that he had in my life um, wow. as, a, as a 10-year-old kid. You know, he like I looked up to him more than anybody else. And it was kind of like my bucket list to actually go to Andrews, take a picture next to the globe mm-hmm. and take a picture with my dad at Pioneer Memorial Church. Um, and because that was my only window into Adventism, man, uh, in, mm. outside of this. And, and I was just like, well, one day, one day, one day I can do that. One day I can meet this guy. Uh, little did I know that, you know, after all these years, we right. ended up working together and yeah. like he knows me and like, it's, it's been, it's been crazy, bro. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's journey, pretty cool. Man. And that's the thing is that window into Adventist media, you brought up 3ABN and Hope. Did you, did you have any experiences with amazing facts or that wasn't on the radar at that point? Uh, amazing. Uh, we did know about Pastor Doug. Doug Bachelor was a big fixture. Um, sure. in 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 Oman, he has a great. He's he even from during that time, like he had like a massive pull. Sure. In the uh, in the immigrant population and the expat population, yeah, in the Middle East, because 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 the, all the Adventists in Oman, they're not like natives. They're not you know muslims hmm. these are people who would come from other parts of the world to find employment in, in the middle east in the gulf region of the middle east in oman so mm. we had bangladeshis filipinos indians pakistanis uh, a lot of africans mm. from kenya from zimbabwe from south africa hmm. and they all they all gravitated towards amazing facts and yeah. bachelor um, my parents did too and i there was a there was a, but for me as a kid i i didn't resonate with Doug bachelor much but like i i Watch like old, like old David Ashrick. I don't know if you remember. Oh that. wow, old school day, day, David yeah. Ashrick with his Revelation seminars. Yeah, yeah. Like I soaked, I ate that stuff up, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my experience with that side yeah. of thing. Yeah, and I, and I brought that up because so we did a part one already, and Anthony, I don't know if you mentioned this at the start, but we so this is part two of our our Avenus mm-hmm. Media series, and we talked with Matthew Lucio, a friend from for all of us, honestly, yeah. that we. Uh, 
we just talked about the history of the church when it came to literature and radio and TV and how we were kind of at the forefront of all of those things. Like for instance, how, uh, you know, um, uh, not voice of prophecy. It was, um, it is written was the first colorized Christian, uh, television show, you know, like in the world or at least North America, like it was a big deal. Mm. Um, so like we were pioneers in a lot of those areas. And so now we're kind of transitioning to this idea, you know, where, we all grew up with some of those things. And and for Kevin, your experience was slightly different, but in the same way, like Anthony, we grew up, we have burned in memories of three ABN hope channel, uh, Doug bachelor with amazing facts. You know, those are, those are parts of our childhood and upbringing. And, you know, those are still entities today. Those things are still around voice of prophecy still around today, but we've transitioned now, you know, in the 21st century where we're, you know, looking at social media, we're looking at internet and, Mm -hmm and streaming and all these different things. And kind of the question that we're, we're looking at is, you know, where is our church today? What are we doing? And, and Kevin, that's part of why we've asked you on is because you have yep. that experience and, and you didn't, you maybe didn't expect it to go the way it did where you have this level of influence on TikTok and Instagram, other places too, where, um, you, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. Um, you know, how do you feel about the where you know, where we're at? you know, to just kind of jump ahead. When we, when we look at today, do you feel like our church is still in that position where, where people know who we are? They, they see us around the world and know like, you know, what we're about and how we reach people. What do you think about that? Yeah. What a, what a big question. A good question. What a big question. Yeah. The, you are right in saying that, like, I did not intend on any of this happening uh, in my life. Mm-hmm. This whole thing about the, the chai stuff, the influence that you speak of, uh, I'm deeply grateful for all the doors that have been opened. But it's, but it's given me kind of this a small window into into media, into how we talk about media, especially within the Adventist perspective, mm-hmm. that I don't think a lot of people. Um, have and I'm not saying that because they haven't they haven't tried different things but I say that because like I feel like I'm like it feels so lonely from mm. from my perspective because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like one of the very few people who are doing things the way that I'm doing and what mm-hmm. do I mean by that right so most of my audience even till today are non-Adventist they're non-Christian mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people who are in the fringes people who have for whatever reason have been you know They've been disenfranchised by the institution that is either Adventism or, in particular, or American evangelicalism in general. Mm-hmm. So these are the people who tend to some, you know, somehow congregate in this small little place on the internet. And and I, to be honest with you, like it's just so frustrating hmm. for me to see how. From the church's perspective, we are so zealous about answering questions mm-hmm. that only a few people are asking. Mm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. while there's like a whole group of people, there's a whole demographic uh, of, of, of individuals and groups who are not necessarily asking questions, but it just feels like um, they have to kind of figure things out on their own. Um, mm. So that's like the, I'm talking about the deconstructing community. I'm talking about the reconstructing community. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about millennials who grew up in the church who are just like, man, I don't, 
I don't know what I am anymore. I love Jesus, yeah. but like the church, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that. Like yeah. there's so many people. I'm talking about South Asian uh, Christians. I'm talking about POC Christians who who are now having to deal with like, okay, yeah, I still like Jesus. I still like Adventism, but like I don't see they they want my uh, they want my uh, they want my presence, but they don't want my perspective. Wow, um, mm-hmm. you know. So th- th- these are the people, and so. How, how are we talking to these people? You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it feels like we, at least from an institutional standpoint, the our only priority when it comes to communicating anything is to get them into a church and dunk them in the water. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I, at least from my vantage point and like, I, I would love to be wrong. And like, mm-hmm. and every single communication is geared towards, geared towards, you know, increasing membership, increasing tithe, like what like how can we do how can we talk about this in such a way to get them to to this thing that we want mm-hmm. yeah um and and but but that's not the that's not the point of communicate like that's 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 not that's not what communication is supposed to be communication is to primarily connect with people uh communication mm. the function of communication is to is to figure out ways to to create space so that th- at least there's a space where all perspectives are at least heard and understood uh, but when you mm-hmm. have an institution, you have the highest priority for an institution now becomes the the perpetuation uh, of that institution. Mm. So the moment the the moment where you have that as the priority, then then now any type of communication you do is now geared towards that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so and the moment where you you make every single thing. Every single communication from the institutional standpoint, the, the 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 moment you make the motive of it like evangelistic, and by evangelistic I mean mm-hmm. get them to the, get them to the the waters, dunk them, increase membership, then mm-hmm. you are, I would say, having a narrow view of evangelism, mm-hmm. right? And also you're cheapening communication itself, you're cheapening oh, the, the function mm. of media itself. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyhow, we can we can keep going yeah, in this Kevin, band, but like I think in a nutshell, yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, if you're not careful, we are going to continue continue to to further our irrelevance uh, in mm. a in a in a constantly changing uh, landscape, mm. and we are uh, and 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 we are also hastening our eventual obsolescence um, in this space. Wow. You just said a lot. He just said yeah. a lot. And, and Anthony, before you go, I, I want to I want to follow up because I, I think no, no that was, was a great rich. answer. It was... <laughs> no, it was it was good because I I think that's a way that all of us at you know on our team, but also we've spoken to so many people that feel the same way. Um, and and it's interesting because this isn't just an avenus problem. You see this in Christian media in general, and you speak a lot to the heart. A lot of times, superficially, and we've had these conversations where. A lot of times the reputation of Christian media, whether it's movies, TV shows, or other content, the expectation is it's poor quality. Like that's yeah. the reputation. We just it's talked not about Bible Man. With, yeah, we just talked about <laughs> Bible Man. Uh, but we could talk about Pure Flix and uh, God's Not Dead. Or uh, right. And I, I just upset every Christian mom that thinks I think God's Not Dead is good. Uh, but <laughs> but no, but, but seriously, like we we see that reputation, but that's in, in its own way a superficial argument. Like, oh, it just looks, you know dumb and not professional and the actors aren't as good the sets aren't as good the story isn't as you know compelling whatever it may be but but kevin you spoke at a at a deeper level just now which is mm-hmm. more just the principle of why are we doing this what is yeah. what is it that we're trying to communicate 
what's the goal of this? Who's our audience? And what what's the heart that we're speaking to mm-hmm. in the culture and time we're in today? Because that's the goal of what we're doing. And so that that in its own way kind of solves that issue. Like we could talk, I, I almost want to talk about, you know, the quality issue in, in media, right? Like how do we do this with excellence, right? We want people to, to see our church and see that we're doing things with excellence mm-hmm. um, in a way that, you know, brings, opens their heart and mind to what, what message we might yeah. want to yeah. share with them. But, but you are talking about before we talk about the quality of the cameras or the actors, we need to see in, in the first place, what is the mission? Like, what's the purpose? So if we're making a movie, we're making a show or we're doing something online, why are we doing this? What are we trying to communicate? And is that abundantly clear and relevant to who we're trying to right. target well, with, you, with this you, content? You mm-hmm. even, it almost seems like you're, you're going beneath that almost to mm. what is communication for? Right. Mm. Mm. Can you, can you talk more about that? Cause I, yeah. Yeah. Again, no, that's, I really yeah, like what I'm you said. glad that you got that because a lot of people, you know, talking about the quality, talking about the aesthetics, that's like top that's 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 a one la- layer. But you mm-hmm. have to get, get it deeper, get in get deeper about motivations, why you're doing what you're doing. Uh let's talk about gospel like communication specifically now through from the perspective of a Christian institution. Like mm-hmm. why are we doing this? Uh we, I think one thing that we have to kind of keep in mind is we, we are at a place where we have to distinguish between evangelism and proselytization okay mm, yeah, i think yeah. for far too often i feel like we have conflated the two mm. how do what, what, what do we what do we mean by that okay mm-hmm. proselytization is is this idea of like okay you're telling something you are you're 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 uh crafting an argument you're crafting mm-hmm. some rhetoric with the sole purpose of taking that person from wherever they are and expecting some worldview change so that they can now uh, not only hear what you're trying to say, but they'll also subscribe to your worldview and mm-hmm. then carry on their life, the rest of their life, according to that worldview that they didn't have before now that they do. That's proselytization. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, evangelism is not that. Evangelism could involve that, but evangelism, ha- we have to have a broader perspective of evangelism is. Mm-hmm. Uh, evangelism uh, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you have to now get this person from where they are and dunk them in the water and expect them to be admins for the rest of their life. Evangelism uh, evangelism is a spectrum. We have to mm. now, as an institution, we have to, I would say, uh, accept the fact that there is a spectrum when it comes to evangelism. Mm-hmm. So what's the spectrum? If you, if you say zero, we put zero as like, okay, I'm not doing anything. I'm just living my life. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't care about Anything else, the only thing I, what matters is my personal relationship with Jesus. It's vertical. That's it. Okay, that's yeah. zero. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then let's do 10 as baptism. Mm. Okay, A lot yeah. of people think that all forms of evangelism is going from zero to 10. Mm-hmm. No. Even if somebody says, oh, you know what? I'm listening to this guy who is making tea. But the guy, I find out, is a pastor. That's yeah. crazy. The last time I listened to a pastor was... 10 years ago because I was mm-hmm. abused. But this yeah, pastor, yeah. I can listen to. Yeah. Isn't that not evangelism? That right, you right. went from zero to maybe 0. 0.1 or 0 right. to 1 or 2. That's even moved on the... Right. Yeah. And so I think that when it comes to... Uh, when we think about how we communicate uh, in a gospel-oriented way, we have to think about the gradients. We have to think about mm. the shades. We have to think about the, the the numbers in between the numbers. We can't just expect everything to go from zero to ten. Um, and 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 also 
to communicate for the sake of communicating mm. giving for the sake of giving and period end of story just stop what if we instead of saying okay we want we we going to do this to reach people i even last the that's the other thing mm. like why are you reaching people mm. Pe- people that that whole concept again like mm-hmm. uh p- this this uh, let me let me backtrack here a little bit like when you when you, when you talk about reaching people for 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 Jesus uh, and and you you you're tailoring your communication to that purpose mm-hmm. you are you 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 are you at the risk of now not necessarily bringing them to Jesus but bringing them to like your understanding of what that looks like or mm. you're bringing you're you're at the risk of saying okay i'm i'm, I'm going to bring them to this kind of institutional machine that we've created that yeah. to house this kind of ideology yeah and uh you have you have to understand that uh so yeah man i think uh so so th- those those are the things that i want to mention for now i think i'm i'm thinking and and talking uh, mm-hmm. at the same time which i probably no, shouldn't but good. Uh, but those are some some yeah. knee jerk half brute thoughts about that no that's good yeah, i mean yeah, because yeah. No, good. i mean the question and i mean you kind of hit on a few of the questions that we had for you all in one is you know all these thoughts about like what do you think the church gets right and wrong with its interaction with social media and media and um like how does the church use media for evangelism i mean that's kind of what you're talking about like but you're going behind you're going a few layers of the cake deeper right to like man what is communication for and i like it i feel like that's that's challenging though that's like what you're saying is really challenging yeah. um because i think you know maybe i'd always tend to be the devil's advocate <laughs> so often but i'm going to stay on brand um someone has to be man so right i think um I guess maybe the pushback would be like, isn't like the heart behind evangelism is like, we've met Jesus and we want to share that with people, right? The great commission, like we're trying to do what Jesus said, go and teach and baptize them. And then, you know, Jesus said it, right? Wouldn't that be the pushback is like, Jesus said to go teach, tell them, baptize, do the whole thing. Um, How do you, how do you, how do you interact with that? Yeah. So, couple of things i'm revisiting currently mm-hmm. the great commission mm. and i'm wondering if the great commission was for a select few <clears throat> or was the great commission for all christians at all times Ooh. at wow. all settings this is the hot take keep going keep going <laughs> yeah this is the clip right let's go let's go i'm ready <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i was not ready for this i'm ready say more say more yeah because you know one could argue that the great commission as it stands in matthew at the end of matthew Mm-hmm. was for all people regardless of where they're from what they're doing what they believe uh, uh, what they look like what their culture is it's for everybody mm-hmm. that's one people, idea, all which is which is what's what's the what's the common you know mm-hmm. thing that's mm-hmm. done everybody has to do this mm-hmm. and we say okay yeah but not everybody baptizes no not but not not everybody can teach uh but all of us are supposed to reach people for jesus mm-hmm But again that's so but then we have a problem here that there's a challenge here hmm. who decides who's going to baptize who decides who's going to teach who's hmm. going who decides who like yeah the whole thing like let's just take that whole thing like who decides what what people are going to do because not everybody's clearly baptizing everybody now does this right. mean that now everybody can go and now just find you know Lake Michigan like oh you Christian let's just dunk you no that's not what it means somehow when it comes to who's going to baptize mm-hmm. and who's going to teach we've now relegated that to the institution 
but now who made who made that decision you know hmm. was it the institution was it scripture now so we have to at some point admit that we've kind of added some things to what jesus has said and hmm. we also have to kind of agree at, at at least for me like i'm at this point where i am willing to entertain the notion that maybe this was not just for everybody maybe this was just for a select few maybe it was just for the disciples hmm. uh, for the during that time hmm. and but there is something though that's for all christians i think for all christians all, all at all times mm-hmm. uh regardless of uh who where they're from and that's found in i believe second corinthians where paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation mm yeah it's good i feel like the the minist- the, the command f- and the 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 command i would say yeah yeah, yeah. i would say the 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 the, the the command for us to be ministers of reconciliation from the pauline perspective i think is more binding i would say than and more universal than hmm. the great commission is hmm. wow yeah and where paul basically says hey you are now because of what jesus has done for us mm-hmm. because of he because of him reconciling the world to himself you also are now ambassadors for jesus and now you are a minister of reconciliation now 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 because that thing now is is a binding thing because mm. that was people now recognized early the early christian church they recognized that and they say you know what we are now we are reconcilers of humanity because that's what jesus has done for us mm-hmm. and so that's what that's what blew the church like from the, the the early christian church in such a way because not everybody was baptizing everybody the elders were mm. probably doing it but everybody was to minister of reconciliation history mm. tells us how do i know this historically when the when the pandemic happened in rome uh one of the uh one of the historians i'm not quite sure who the, who the historian is uh, but he basically said that the when and i'm paraphrasing right now the uh even the romans would not bury their own dead and they mm-hmm. would leave the dead in the streets because again they didn't want to be contaminated yeah. but the christians would step outside their houses and they would carry the roman and would bury their roman dead as oh. well but by because they were they they thought that they they were um because they were they were following this 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 uh this this rabbi mm-hmm. who was jesus and they were jesus followers and so the so all this You're is to say talking about the black plague correct I think so I think it's, it's one of the, yeah I I think it might be the black plague yeah okay. so all this is to say I'm I'm going all off tangent here all this is to say uh the the purpose of Christian communication should always be to reconcile people mm. reconcile us to God reconcile people to God recon- and build bridges and not build bunkers mm. the moment you Mm. bring in now proselytization and the moment you now add this element of like okay we need to baptize them sometimes you might not be reconciling people because people down people people not, people might not be in that area people not, people might not be in that space and mm. in order for you to actually reconcile people you have to you have to pay attention to what they want pay attention to their mm. needs you can't you have to uh, under prioritize your agenda and over prioritize their need to wow. in order for mm. you to be a wow. reconciler. And, yeah. And if you keep that as your your focus of Christian communication, now you're getting somewhere because now you you don't have to now uh be a, you don't have the you don't have the uh, you don't have the burden. You don't have the burden of being like okay, I need to say this so that I can baptize mm-hmm. people. No. You say this because you're a reconciler. Now how mm. uh, and that that now is that's now contextual work. 
because different right. people ha- how do we reconcile in different ways now we can now start to think more about like how can we have a, a constructive uh, gospel communication strategy wow, wow. that's so interesting that's i've rich. never heard those two concepts separate so so you'd say that the gospel commission and and reconciliation are separate concepts within the bible of of whether it's outreach or what we're called to do as christians i think functionally theologically i think they're one and the same but functionally they look different man okay um, mm. yeah the great com- the great commission at its core is a ministry of reconciliation so sure, I mean, theologically sure. they they have you know they, yeah. they go together yeah but then now but functionally it might be different like not yeah. again not everybody is called to teach not everybody is called to preach not everybody is right. called to baptize so who decides what right mm-hmm. yeah and so we also now come we are also I would go one more thing to say when we think about the gospel commission i don't mm-hmm. think that we think about ministry of reconciliation we think okay we need to baptize them and reach them for jesus yeah true but ministry of reconciliation mm. does, does not always mean baptism Baptizing. ministry of reconciliation mm. doesn't always mm. mean proselytization ministry of reconciliation doesn't always mean giving them a bible study it does not mean that Hmm. It means relational, messy work that unfortunately cannot be quantified. Oftentimes, can be anecdotal, and it doesn't look good on the books hmm. because you can't yeah. prove, like you can't. Well, it's tough, yeah. right? It's not right. tangible victory, so to speak, right? Because exactly. we're, we're looking. That's that's something no we've all grown up with, with as as <clears throat> like baptism is the end goal, right? Like <clears throat> that's just, and it's never said exact. Well, at least I'm not going to say anyone said that explicitly word for word. But that's been the general cultural uh, expression of the expectation of the Adventist Church, you know, from yeah, local mm-hmm. pastors to to uh, conference union GC leaders. That's the expectation. Um, that's what we talk about, and so that's that's kind of a huge paradigm shift to think of it like is. as a as a Christian, as a Seventh Day Adventist. My goal is not to see someone necessarily be baptized into the church, but it's to help reconcile to God. And that doesn't necessarily express, at least when I'm with them, this specific step, uh, or, or I guess we'd say 13 steps, uh, (laughs) to, uh, to following God. And man, that, that's, that's just so interesting because we, we really struggle with I'll just say I struggle with because growing up in the church, that's always been my mindset of what a barometer Mm. of, you know, like this is what success looks like. Mm. This is how we know that we're doing the right thing. This is how we know we're spirit led is you will see tangible results. And and you're not even saying that we're not going to see tangible results. It's just may not be the results that we're thinking or expecting Mm. to see. Yeah. Yeah. So in your experience, what, what would be some examples for people, you know, wondering, or maybe you're a little nervous or uncomfortable with this concept. What are some realistic or practical things that you've seen in your life or yeah. ideas, maybe you or someone else for what this idea of reconciliation looks like. Right. That's a great question. Uh, let me preface this, preface what I'm going to say by this quote on what I, minister of healing. I can't remember what the page number is. Mm-hmm. She says that the strongest argument for the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Yeah. yeah. Period. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she might have said other other things about what needs to be done for, to do that that, but then that's like that's a standalone sentence. It just like exists. It's it, 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 mm-hmm. exi- it exists on its own, and that's a ministry of rec- that's ministry of reconciliation language right there. She's like, no, it's mm. it's it's who you are, like what type of person you are, the fruit of the mm. spirit through you. You know, it's, mm-hmm. 
it's a you you uh, so what what does that look like tangibly number one i would say how many non adventist friends do you have straight mm. up hmm. how many people in your uh, so uh, how many people are there in your circle of friends who are and good friends who don't believe anything like you do hmm how many mm-hmm. you know uh what are the circles that you are a part of mm-hmm. are you and 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 not just part of but what are, what what's what how many circles are you actively contributing to that are not defined by religious or adventist nomenclature mm-hmm. you know so for me that's the online space that's the creative space i'm i have i'm friends with a lot of people who are not adventist you know mm-hmm. uh and and again it's not something that i actively like said like okay i want to be in places where it's not adventist majority but mm-hmm. it just so happened where it just I, i because of the work that i do and and the things that i talk about there was resonance and there's people like oh you know what that's that's cool uh and and i benefit from a lot of their conversations as well so those are some barometers that you can think of personally like how many non adventist friends you have mm-hmm. and how many circles that you are actually actively contributing to that are mm-hmm. non adventist non christian mm-hmm. because when you talk about minister of reconciliation you have to assume that when you when you do that type of work mm-hmm. uh, you are do, you are seen as someone who is worth talking to uh someone who is worth hanging out with Uh, mm-hmm. uh by people who don't really care about what you believe and so and uh and so basically so so those two things are important uh, i'm trying to think of other things uh i think also are you why are you doing the work that you're doing like why are you mm. doing your creative work why are you why are you, and at the end of the and if if the at the end if you keep asking the b- bunch of why's if your ultimate why mm-hmm. is uh if your ultimate why is like okay i'm doing this to reach others for jesus mm-hmm. i would love for you to revisit that like why again what's mm. the point hmm a lot of people stop at that i want to reach other people for jesus but again why why do you want to do that mm. keep asking why keep going down and if if the ultimate why the ultimate why of you doing that is 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 not at some level rooted in the flourishing of that person in front of you mm. man you i don't know you might be at risk of actually doing it because somebody else told you to do it or because you because or because this is this is what you've already always known mm. yeah at the end of the day like even even the gospel it's like at the end of the day it's 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 uh, the reason why i'm a christian the reason why i'm advent is the reason why i'm doing what i'm doing is because i believe that it's the best life operating system for being human yeah mm. it's it's the it's the greatest life operating system out there it's the way of jesus i'm like wow it's amazing and so uh and and it's it's the best thing it's the it's the best kind of system that has the, all the raw uh material for me to be the best lover of myself and the best lover of the person in front of me and also the best lover of the quote unquote other because everybody has mm-hmm. an other in their mind so mm-hmm. so so um so those those are some of the things that i would i would in, encourage people to think through and ask 
um and and uh, and 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 think through and and keep keep asking those questions yeah that's good that's good man thinking yeah. about the ultimate why i really like that um this i feel like this kind of heads you know to the question you know you've recently kind of made a shift in in your online content and you know you had a a rebrand and um kind of you had released a blog post about it and and stuff like that um you know kind of away from evangelistic oriented i think is the way you put it i might i might be off but sort of that the kind of this idea that we're talking about um can you talk a little bit about kind of i mean we've been talking about it but mm-hmm. maybe just curious about like personally for you what was your heart behind shifting away being evangelistic in your approach <clears throat> yeah so uh yeah i wrote like a whole piece on this <laughs> right <laughs> because the people are just like whoa what's going on? are you christian anymore you know because for those of you who are not wondering who are wondering if you're first time listening to this i used to be my 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 previous brand was cross-culture christian and uh, the reason why i picked that one was because that was the brand that i had for pretty much all my from the time i was 12 years old because i was i was creating mm-hmm. content under that moniker the reason why i created that was because i i'm a cross-cultural person um, I am what they call a third culture, third culture kid. I grew up in that. That basically means that you you grew up in multiple countries and mm-hmm. multiple spaces, and now you're currently living in a place that's not your the, your birthplace. And yeah. so, so, so I said, okay, I'm I'm a cross cultural human being, but I'm also Christian. I so cross culture Christian, and so I I had that for for a long time uh, and the longest time. And so, but then recently I, I shifted. I said. I, I went from cross culture Christian to now cross culture Kev, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted people to give. I wanted, I want, and but that that came from because of a long kind of time of of thinking and pondering. So there's a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's for access. Um, so I create content for two main reasons. I I wanted to create. I create because I want to curate like a public archive of my learning. And I also mm. want to um, create to kind of recreate aha moments for people. Like I want people to think, mm. oh, you know what? I, didn't, I haven't thought about it that way, you know? And mm-hmm. I find a lot of joy in kind of helping um, helping people rethink things that they've thought about because that's how I've grown. Mm. And so uh, and so creating, creating as cross-culture Kev, I think allows me to speak on like a range of issues, including theology and spirituality from a cross-cultural perspective that is rooted in who I am mm-hmm. um, rather than a cross-cultural perspective rooted in like one aspect of who I am, which is Christian, mm. um, even if it's the most important aspect of who I am. Mm. Um, and so, so that's, so the first reason is through access because I wanted to make content for a lot more people. And I also want to talk about a lot more things than just Christianity mm. uh, and then just theology. Like I wanted to talk about South Asian culture. I wanted to talk about uh, cricket, uh, I want to talk about obviously chai, uh, but I also, but so I don't want to just talk about Jesus. I want everything to go through who I am in Christ. And mm. so cross culture Kev. Um, nice. And so that's, that's the other thing. So that's the first reason. So number, and the second reason is, is that I came to a point where I realized that the word Christian has so much baggage, especially mm. in American evangelical spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, uh, and I saw that like many sort of Christian spaces on the internet have become bunkers that aim to protect us from them, mm. uh, rather than bridges where us and them 
can dialogue together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And much of what passes off as Christian content and media seems to be like aimed at prioritizing conversion over connection. Mm. And they were prioritized on feeding on people's fears. Um, and uh, and also many Christian spaces, I felt, have become echo chambers that transform Christians into super Christians mm. um, instead of being beacons of light and justice to a world that desperately, desperately needs them. And so because wow. the term Christian Christian had so much baggage um, and I, I was just like, you know what? I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be associated with, with those things. Um, and so, and there was a lot of people who were like, oh, you're Christian. So you, you are this and this and this and this and this. Mm. I was like, no, I am Christian. I believe in Jesus and the way of Jesus informs my life. But I am, I am that, but I'm not this. I am mm-hmm. this, but I'm not that. Right. But, but I want, I, I wanted, I wanted to create as much access as possible so that I can actually become a minister of minister of reconciliation in mm. spaces where quote unquote Christian content creators cannot go mm. or will not be able to go. Yeah. Like I'm currently in spaces where I'm, I'm doing so many different things as a Christian that somebody who's a quote unquote Christian influencer will not be able to go mm. um, mm-hmm. because of, because that's all they talk about sometimes or because that's become their whole identity. You know, that's mm. become their whole personality. And some mm-hmm. Christian content creators are so quote unquote Christian that they forget to be human. Hmm. You know, it just like becomes like this whole brand thing, and it becomes a whole brand yeah. and a whole idol. Mm-hmm. And wow. um, and so yeah, so that's that's one of the, so those are those are the main reasons, man. Honestly, like yeah, uh, that the one yeah. basically access and accuracy. Yeah. Have you have you received any any pushback from that within the church when it comes to, you know, you talk about it being an advantage to to reach more people and to you know, avoid it. You, you want to even bring it up. It can become an idol or become its own, you know, box. And I, I tend to agree with you, which is a really interesting trend. I've noticed not with just you, but I've noticed some other um, Christian content creators that have, that have put that emphasis as well um, to, you know, with that same spirit in mind. So have you received any pushback on that where, where people are like, Oh, you're selling out. You're not fully for the gospel or, you know, maybe they're not saying right. those strong words, but kind of that sense of like, you're, you're, you're diluting the message of what, you know, our church is supposed to be about. And and you have this big platform. Why aren't you using it to really proudly say you're a Christian? And, you know, that label speaks volumes. Has, has that happened at all since you, oh, yeah. since you made that switch? Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's happened. <laughs> uh, there there's, I got this DM from this one guy who's, who's been following me for a, for a long time. And this guy sent me this long message of just like essentially saying, yeah, mm-hmm. you're a sellout. And I've been wow. following you for a while. Mm. You started off with Christian content, and you became this chai guy. And now you you're making chai videos now, and um, you you've forgotten about the gospel. We are wow. living in the end times right now. We have to we have to preach the pure gospel and the true gospel. And 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 we need people like you. You have so much influence, and you have betrayed me. You know, it was like wow. the language was so deep and personal. And so wow. Uh, and so I actually had a conversation with him because mm. I know him personally as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and and we we got on a conversation. I had to explain a couple of things to him. I shared mm-hmm. the the thing that I wrote because my the whatever the 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 the, the, the substack that I wrote has like my entire heart into it. And then I also went a little further and just explained a little thing a little more to him. Uh, and then I realized, man, like yeah, people this for some people it just really it just felt like they were um, 
like it was like like a, like a breakup almost you know so wow this guy mm. this guy is like not one of us anymore wow um and there's and so, uh and there were and there were other other comments as well from people who are also friends with this like yo man you know it's okay you know i love you still but you're making a big mistake and this and that this is a chance for you to reframe christian you know and reframe what it means to be adventist and you didn't do that and so yeah i had to deal with all that man but you know what's funny bro um the the reaction that i got to that that letter that i that i put out was overwhelmingly from people who are christian mm-hmm. who are just like man you said things that i've thought about for a long time mm. and i just couldn't say it so thank yeah. you for even normalizing wow. the space the space of like yes i am deeply christian yes i am still following the way of jesus mm-hmm. yes also and i will tell you this like i care about our church like i i care mm-hmm. about our institution i'm indebted to to what Andrews has done for me, what the church has done for me, I am. Mm-hmm. And yet, because I love the church, because I love Jesus, I deserve the right to call it out mm-hmm. when it's not acting according to the way of Jesus. You know, it's like what James Baldwin said, like when someone asked him, yo, why are you still keep going back to America? And he was in France and they asked him, he was like, yo, because they're going to kill you. They, you're going to get shot. Like you, mm-hmm. that's, they don't even... Um, they don't even care about you. And he said the same thing. He's like, yo, I, I, I go back because I love America. And because I love her, mm-hmm. I'm going to call her out, you know? And, and I'm not doing whatever I'm doing to just be this anarchist. And like, I'm calling people out like this revolutionary. No, right. I'm not. But, uh, I, but I think if, if it, if it, if it was between, if it was, if the, if the choice was between picking this name and this brand that is overtly Christian, mm-hmm. And or being a minister of reconciliation mm-hmm. to whole groups of people who, because of whatever reason, they're traumatized by Christian, traumatized by theology, traumatized by the church. I'm going to pick that any day, mm. 100% any day. Mm. You know, mm. We have an entire book in the Bible that doesn't mention the word of God, the name God. It's mm. still in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We have a whole the chapter of the Bible written hmm. by somebody who doesn't even follow God. Nebuchadnezzar wrote what Daniel four or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you know it's like it's uh, so I've 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 honestly like stopped fighting that battle. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know Christ is leading this thing, and and I uh, have chosen to follow the calling of God into gaps and spaces. Where a lot of people haven't gone before, and I want to steward the momentum, steward steward uh, God's uh, grace in in whatever ways uh, possible, even if it's through a humble cup of chai. Wow, man, wow. that's beautiful. As you as you think about maybe as we start to wind down here, as you think about like the future, um, as you said, you know, sort of like at the forefront. As we think about the future of like media and social media, you know, Apple just released their augmented reality you know, glasses, mm. right? Um, you know, we have like new AI popping up every day, you know, they can write whole papers. I've never used ChatGPT for my seminary papers. Just want to put that out there for my professors who may be listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, as we think about the future, like the, we're kind of in a, a kind of an, in a moment of innovation almost, it seems like. And mm. the world is only going even more and more right towards using these types of mediums to communicate when you think about 
I guess when you think about these things, are you hopeful and cynical about these innovations just in general and as they relate to the church? Like, do you see them as an opportunity for us to connect with even more people in the way that you've talked about? Or do you, are you a little cynical about it? I think I've become more cynical in general. I don't know because I'm a millennial and like I'm just like I'm just my we're, patience is running out. We're geared yeah. for cynicism. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actively trying to. Well, I, that's a lie. Uh, I was about to say I'm actively trying to resist that, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I probably should. I probably should. Just in general. Um, am I hopeful? And 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 allow me to frame because I mean, yeah. As Adventists, we. You know, a lot of our eschatology is inv- is invested mm. in sort of like a lot of people. They envision, I would say, maybe more accurately, a lot of people envision our eschatology connecting with sort of this idea of connection, world connection, mm. um, and as it you know relates to the intersection of religion, government, um, you know, these big tech companies. So I think as we as these innovations come up, I think a lot of people and uh, you know I've heard conversations and had conversations about man. What is this? Is this is this the mark of the beast? You know, mm. over here, or is this yeah. the, you know, like what is this a sign of the end? Like, how do you how do you interact with those things? And are you cynical or? Yeah, so I'm I'm part hopeful, part not part cautious. I would say not necessarily cynical, but cautious. Um, mm. So hope hopeful in the sense that I think that these these new innovations in communication and in media are going to inspire a whole group of of people um, and a whole group of Adventists, followers of Jesus, I would say, who who have already been contextualizing their craft in a way that makes sense to people outside of the faith. And so I think these can be good tools for them to use to further that work of important work of contextualization. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful in that mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and if you, I mean, if you look at just the history of communication, also just like in the it's in the last couple of decades, you know, we've just it, it it's we we live in this digital economy right now, and so this is going to be the new norm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to always have something new come up and come up, and so and and but what's consistent what's been consistent regardless of whatever innovation and media that's come up is our universal need for connection our universal mm. need for longing and belonging mm-hmm. that's good news man you know that means that we all regardless of what happens in the world like we always um, are going to be in a space where we're going to need some connection so we i think the gospel like i, I believe the gospel is, is uniquely positioned to uh, to kind of go beyond the conversation of like what's the best way to communicate mm-hmm. the gospel to like going even deeper and saying like why do we even long in the first place you know mm-hmm. why do we even mm-hmm. crave connection wow. and so I'm I'm hopeful in that sense I think it's hopefully uh, the the rise of all of these technologies can 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 push us back to um, or push us maybe forward to asking deeper questions yeah. but I'm also cautious uh, I'm also cautious because uh, there these if if uh, these these mediums these things and I'm putting social media also into this place mm-hmm. they are they are not just um, 
they are run by people. They are they are run by groups yeah. of people who have vested interests, and um and I tell my youth all the time like yo if uh, I, if if you don't know why you're using social media, social media is using you, like straight mm. up. Like you, it's just you are you're the product. You know you're 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 not the user. You're the product. Mm. You're being acted upon. So these are all forms. All these things are forming you um, because yeah. they they capitalize on attention, and so even and and the more AI makes it easier for us to kind of connect and also not really connect, but just like make touch points and 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 give mm-hmm. us a, give the illusion that just having touch points is connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have to be really careful, man. We have to be really careful moving forward in these in these things uh, in uh, uh, in how we actually relate to people more and more. Mm. Um, but the the but the flip side of that, the flip side of that caution is again, this is again an opportunity for us to again revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, uh, answer deeper questions of longing and belonging through the gospel, through what yeah. Jesus did, through yeah. the way of Jesus. So it's an opportunity for us to contextualize. Um, so that so we have to go back. So the more we progress, the more we innovate as a society. I think the there's more need for us to go back to ancient ways, the ancient way of yeah. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. So I think we have to kind of do that. So as the world is progressing towards this side, to this one direction, yeah. as Christians, as gospel, we have to go back to like, okay, go back to the basics. Like, go back to the basics. Let's go back to raw way of Jesus. How did he do things? How do you talk to people? That's What's good. the ministry of reconciliation look like? What's the great commission? Was it for us, for, for everybody? How did we, how did he even have, how did we, how did he even just talk to one on people one-on-one? You know, mm-hmm. how do you talk to people, to groups and just go back to like that, at that granular level, um, so I think that's that's where we that that's where we might need to go moving forward. Man, that's good, oh man. man, Kevin, we could we could talk so much longer about like I, I almost want to do a whole like we could talk about evangelism, man, just the the whole like mission of our church, and and we have here we've we've talked about you know the Great Commission and and what Christians are supposed to be doing, and that's, that's gotten on such a deep level. Which which going back to media, you know, it's such a simple topic, but really. Any tool that we use, right? We're trying to do this reconciliation work. We're trying to bring people to to know who Jesus is, and so it's it's really powerful to hear the way that you've thought through this. And oh, yeah. you know, for for what it's worth, the the way that you've rebranded it makes sense. It makes sense in the context of our culture today to do mm-hmm. that in a way that mm-hmm. that reaches people in a, a way they need to be heard and spoken to, and so. That's just powerful. We need we need more people like you, Kevin. We we pray yeah. that when we do this too, of course, that that we reach people in a way. And and I thank God, like we've we've had people that that have spoken to us about, you know, these conversations that we've had that that helps them think differently about what it means to be connected to God, whether they're yeah. Adventist or mm-hmm. not. And and I love seeing that. That's the beautiful part. We can both be cautious about the mess that the digital age has been, but also we've mm-hmm. reached people that never would have been reached. 100%. And and you've done that too, and that's that's the the fruit that we can just find joy in and, and peace in through through our relationship mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's such a good work, right? Like it's so good to to that God uses us for that, and it's just that privilege. But you know, as we it's as good. we finish up, like uh, we wanted to plug your your book that's coming out soon. Like that's yeah, man, fall right? Like <laughs> yeah, that's coming about... out this year, right? Yeah, the book is coming out this year. Can you uh, we can gotta... you can, yeah. can you talk about how you? wrote a whole book and then lost you lost the manuscript was destroyed like what what oh, happened i didn't know this tell the story you, you don't have to tell the story if you don't uh, but 
I was just, I was no, just feeling for he, you when he that spilled happened. The, he like, spilled the chai on it. That's that's how he lost <laughs> it, right? No, it, it was oh, a digital it's, thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I – so uh, I, this is – I think the, this was like the final, final round of uh, revisions uh, for my manuscript. Oh, no. <laughs> and so – How many pages? Uh, the book as it stands right now is about 260. Oh, wow. Or 240 or 250 or something like that, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of pages. And so I – so I was I had a hard deadline to give the publishers the absolute final revision of the um of the book and so that took a couple of days to do and then I and then I yeah I did not back it up and so I was Oof. going to Australia oh. <laughs> I was in Australia I was in Melbourne for a speaking a speaking thing and I had all my notes for speaking, all that stuff in the computer, but my laptop just decided to crash right before the trip. I mean, on, on like on the way, like I was trying to charge it on the airport. Mm-hmm. It was not charging completely. And so, the, so I lost the whole thing. I lost the whole motherboard. And it's I, wild. And so I, so what I had though was my, my final, my, I had the whole manuscript somewhere else. It was in a Google drive. Oh, okay. So I had the, I had the manuscript. I had it. But I lost all the revisions, you see? Like, so it's oh. still, like, I had to go through that again. Yeah. So, but fortunately, this was like round five of my final revision. So I still had like the first four rounds of it still there, but it was still a lot of work, man. So it was still like a day. I lost like two, three days of work. Oh, oh. man. And so I had to pull a couple of all nighters and just kind of get it done. Um, That's a and lot. So, so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but for, by the grace of God, uh, I was able to, <laughs> to be able to get it done. It's, uh, I don't know how, but you know, it, it, it pays to have a, a, a good supportive partner, spouse um, who can, Amen. <laughs> can you know do everything else while you focus on this. You know, so it's, it's nice. Amazing. But that's coming out. That's coming out this year, correct? Yeah, the book is coming out November fourteenth. November fourteenth. But nice. the pre-order the pre-order links will be out soon. I would say in the next three weeks. Um, I would I would I'm gonna have a cover release cover a uh, cover reveal soon Ooh, okay do you, have a, do you have a title yeah the title's called the way of chai uh reflections Ooh. for a meaningful life Ooh. so mm. essentially it's Very cool. it's 15 chapters uh and it's kind of this i would say uh how do i put this i, I call this the uh, topography of meaning so essentially it's like Ooh. this map where you're going from one pl- one location on the map to another location of the map yeah and 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 you and I'm using a chai as kind of like a a vehicle for storytelling. So essentially, every chapter I talk about a, a, a specific aspect of the chai making process and how that relates to living a meaningful life. Mm. So it reads like a devotional, but for the secular with some gospel spice. Wow. Nice. Okay. So All that's right. <laughs> so that's kind of how the whole thing reads. So, but the but there's so but there's stories from my life from the South Asian culture, from tea culture. So I nerd out in a couple of places about, 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 about tea and how, how we make it. But but the but the end goal is that the, the, the last kind of aftertaste that I want people to have when they read the book is like, wow, that was like, that's like my life is beautiful. Wow. And like a, we live in such a beautiful world and hmm. we get to share this with other people. So that's, that's what wow. I want people to, I want to leave people with. And yeah. So I'm excited, man. That's awesome. Nice, man. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, it's man. Been an, it's been an honor. Like you, you, 
spoke to such depth. Not not that we didn't he expect really did. that, yeah. but but it's just amazing how this has happened multiple times too, where we. We, we want to talk you, about. You, you said it as if we didn't expect him to. That's not, but that's why I had to clarify. <laughs> we just expect you know, it to be shallow. <laughs> just completely shallow, surface level. Oh man, uh, it, it no, was so but good. It, it, it went places, you know. Just talking about the depth of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and yeah. and it's just so powerful. So I hope that uh, people got something out of it today. Just hearing. Uh, from your story. And we're excited. We're excited to read the book, see where you're headed yeah, uh, online. And uh, we'll we'll see what, what God has in store for all of us. So thank you again. Yeah, man. Where, where can people connect with you? Right. Uh, people can connect with me through, uh, it's my socials. Uh, so Cross Culture Kev on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, but our website is going to come up soon too. CrossCultureKev.com, TheWayOfChai.com. It's going to come up. So basically, okay. the nice. Instagram or TikTok. Uh, yeah, I'm on threads now too. Yeah, so it's, Oh, yeah. he's on threads. Yeah, we're recording this nice. at the dawn of threads. It's an exciting <laughs> time, right? <laughs> it's yeah. Threads, Let's see how this, how long. The, Let's see how long it we'll plays out. We'll find out. We'll find yeah. out. But also, I want to also say, you know, uh, thank you guys for creating this space. Uh, I think it's a needed space. Uh, There are not many spaces within our church, within our institution, where we get to talk honestly about about ourselves and about Mm. the things that are important to us in a way to not necessarily break it down or, or demonize it, or caricaturize it, but as a way to just say, you know what, we we love Jesus, we care about this, and we also deeply Adventist, uh, whatever that means for us, and there might be different ways of understanding what that means. Mm. But it's hard to create a space where you can still talk about these things without feeling like you're being cornered uh, and yeah. in, a, in a place. And so, I didn't feel that agenda in this conversation, and also just throughout like our friendships together. And now I'm meeting you, uh, Sean, and I've known Anthony for a while. So all this is to say, keep up the good work. Uh, We need more Mm. spaces like this. And also if you're listening to this and you've come to this, to the end of this, and you're, you're someone who's Adventist and you are, uh, but you are in that space of like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really sure what that means anymore. And I am, Mm. you know, I have so many things that I want to do. And, and I, I just, but deeply, like I do care about Jesus and I care about the way of, way of Christ and he, he deeply informs me. I just want to let you know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. There's just a whole group of us out there yeah. mm-hmm. who are trying to navigate this kind of crazy liminal space oh, um, yeah. <laughs> in this world. There's so many of us. And, and uh, uh, you don't feel the need to label your experience. Just steward that momentum, you know, mm. steward the energy steward the clarity whatever clarity that you have yeah but resist the urge to define resist the urge to label yourself and just steward that energy and also in all things as see uh, uh, get into embrace this experiment that we are all in experiment of trying to figure out what it means to be a minister of reconciliation Mm. um and 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 do that to the best of your abilities, to the best of uh, Christ in you. So that's what I will, I will tell you um, as you move forward, as you, as you keep Strong. trying to figure this thing out.
Well, once again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Seeking What They Saw. If you want to keep up with us, we exist on all the social media platforms. Our main way of communicating is Instagram, but we're also on TikTok, we're on YouTube, we're even on Facebook. For you millennials and Gen Xs out there, even the boomers, we haven't forgotten about you. So uh, we're on Facebook. You can keep up with us there as well. And uh, if you have comments on on the episode that we just posted and uh, the discussion that was just had, you have thoughts, maybe you disagree, uh, you have a, maybe a, a hot take or two, feel free to send us a message uh, through our DMs on any social media or uh, shoot us an email. We'd love to have conversations with you guys. I also want to issue a thank you to our producer, Eric Edstrom, for making us sound pretty. He always does such a good job, man. We used to make fun of him all the time in, uh, you know, the early seasons, uh, you know. I've let, you know, I've I've let him off the hook recently. I, I might bring him back. What do you guys think? Let me know. Let me know if we should bring him back. But Eric, we thank you so much for making us sound good. Last and not least, I would like to thank uh, our patrons for keeping helping us keep the lights on, for uh, supporting us financially. We really, really appreciate your generosity. So I think that is just about it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeking What They Saw.